Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and I invite you to join us for the next quarter of an hour for this broadcast of Shi'ar Jeshub, which in Hebrew means, A Remnant Shall Return. Shi'ar Jeshub comes to you from the Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and features the teaching ministry of my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Our current Bible study series is called Heavenly Authority, and Pastor Greg has been in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. So let's go right into the start of the Sunday Sermon. We will be picking up our study in 1 Samuel chapter 10, and we've seen thus far Saul chosen by God as king over Israel. We've seen Saul anointed by Samuel the prophet, the judge, with oil for the kingship as the Lord's anointed, as the king, the commander over God's inheritance. We've seen Saul's journey near Bethlehem by Rachel's tomb in obedience, and then how he had a journey to Bethel and to the hill of God, the Gibeah of God. And we've seen Saul prophesying as the Spirit of God comes upon him. He's anointed by the Holy Spirit. The fulfillment of the oil that Samuel places on him. And as he's anointed by the Spirit, he receives gifts. He prophesies when he meets a group of prophets coming down from the high place. Samuel tells Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 7, And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. And these signs happen. And we've seen Saul changed. Down in verse 9 it says, So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. So his heart was changed. He became a changed person for the kingship. So much so that it says down in verse 11, and it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Is he also among the prophets? He was as a different man. Then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? It was such a change in personality from what he was. He received a changed heart. Well, let's pick up in verse 13. And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? So he said, To look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. So Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. So when the uncle asks what's going on and he wants to know when he hears that 
Saul has spoken to Samuel, and the uncle knows that Samuel is the prophet, is the judge. He's anxious to hear what's happened. But all that Saul tells him is that the donkeys were found. And notice he doesn't speak about the kingship. He doesn't talk about all that Samuel has told him. He doesn't talk about the commission, the kingdom, the anointing, the gifting. He just speaks about the donkeys. And it tells us a little bit about Saul's personality that he has a sense of humility. Remember, he comes from a well-to-do family. He's taller, he's a head taller than most of the other men. Yet it's said in verse 21, we read how when Saul uh, hears that Samuel says, this is not on you and on your father's house, all the desire of Israel, he says, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? You see the humility there, and you see the humility here, that he's hiding what Samuel has said to him. He's not boasting about it. He's not anxious to tell about it. He's keeping it hidden. So we've had the choosing and the anointing of the king. Next, we have the proclamation of the king. The people need to know that this is the one that God has chosen. And now Saul will be proclaimed as king to the people. Verse 17, then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. So the old prophet calls them together, the nation of Israel together at Mizpah. Remember, Mizpah means watchtower. It's that city of Benjamin where previously in chapter 7, Samuel had gathered all Israel when they started to cry out and repent because the ark was no longer for a long time at a tabernacle. And there was that great nationwide repentance, the crying out to God, the fasting and prayer that went on at Mizpah. When the Philistines came out, the people cried out to God, and God thundered from the heavens, and he delivered the Israelites. The Israelites went out from Mizpah, and they overcame the Philistines. And that's when Samuel sets up the Ebenezer stone between Mizpah and Shen. Now again for this event, he will call them back to the place of repentance. And he calls them together for the announcing of the king. And it says in verse 18, And he said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. So this is a prophecy, right? When it starts out, thus says the Lord, Samuel is given a prophecy. I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. Notice, God tells them clearly here what he told Samuel back in chapter 8, that this calling of the people for a king which God will honor and God will use then to set about the symbolism of who should be king, the king of kings and lord of lords, the Messiah. 
But this request of theirs for someone else to be king over them really is a rejection, certainly is a rejection of God, their only king. When we look to put men over us to give and relinquish our responsibilities to them and have someone out of the forefront, have someone out as an intermediary, have someone else that we obey blindly rather than God, rather than assuming the position of responsibility under God to go to him directly. It's a rejection of God. And what's true here in a governmental, and remember Israel is a theocracy, it's a religious and governmental institution. It's very true in religion many times. It is so easy to look for that one person to be the leader, the ruler, and it saves us from responsibility. And too often in church situations, the people feel, well, I have the minister, I have the priest. He does it for me. And that's really a rejection of God. God should be the only king. And if you need to see a man to rule over us that we can follow, there is only one in all history. And that's the only one that deserves to be king because he is God. Jesus Christ. So God tells them clearly here that this is a rejection, but you have today rejected your God who saved you. He delivered. He brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. He saved them from all their adversities and their tribulations. He's the Savior. He's the Deliverer. And when you seek to have another do it for you, you're rejecting God. But he allows it. They want to be like the nations. They want to have a king. Well, it's really the only way he's going to be able to unify them because they will not be unified in the spirit. They won't be one in the spirit. That's why they're so overwhelmed constantly because they fall back and become like the world. So since they fall back and become like the world, the only way he's going to preserve them now in the natural is through this king. So present yourselves. Come forward. And he'll show them supernaturally now who is to be king. Samuel knows it. Saul knows it. And Saul has been quiet about it. And they will see now from God himself. And it says here, verse 20, And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they present themselves before the Lord. And as they do, the 12 tribes, one tribe is chosen. In the King James, it says, was taken. The word in the Hebrew means to catch, to choose, to capture to take away, to seize, to choose and bring out apart from the rest. And some feel that this was done by the casting of the lots, you know, just the way the high priest separated the scapegoat from the Lord's goat in Leviticus chapter 16, or the way Joshua divided the portions of the land. You read about that in Numbers chapter 26 and Joshua chapter 14. The division of the land for each tribe was chosen by lot. 
And some feel that the choosing here was a casting of the lots. But remember something at this point. The lots were chosen in situations where there was equity, as in the book of Acts, where the disciples through prayer got it down to two men, and either man could have equally done the work of replacing Judas. And so then, in fairness, they cast the lots. Any tribe, by equity, could take a part of the land in Israel. There was no unrighteousness in one tribe taking one portion or one tribe taking another portion. It was a situation in equity, and they would cast the lots to make a decision. But they had another mechanism at this point for very difficult situations where a value judgment was really needed. It wasn't that one will do just as well as another, and let's leave it up to God interacting with the lots. It was really a serious judgment that needed to be made. And the end result could be very bad if the wrong choice came out. It was not a choice in equity, both possibilities being equally okay. They had something, if you remember, called the Urim and the Thummim. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. You can always write to us at Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. And may our Lord Jesus bless you as you seek and serve Him.